WCT after further review as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Back here in the studio, 88.3 WCTs. After further review, last segment, the AFC West preview from David, the man of God, Harris. This is going to be an interesting one because the AFC West is going to be an interesting uh, uh, division this year. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're going to go worst to first, or first to last, excuse me. And we're going to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think will repeat and win the division. For me, their key loss is, of course, Kareem Hunt, kind of being that diamond in the rough that they found, star running back developed into one of the clear running back, top running backs in the league. And, of course, we all know what happened with Kareem Hunt and why he was dismissed from the team, kind of picked up by um, Cleveland. But I still think that productivity at the running back position, can they really replace that? It's going to be kind of a long question. They have kind of plug-and-play pieces. They have a couple other diamonds on the rubs, kind of journeyman or kind of not really that star-studded running back. So I think it'd be a big loss because what they had in Kareem Hunt was a rising, promising running back with a future ahead of him in that prolific offense. I think for the key games, we're going to look at the secretary or secondary, excuse me, and Tyron Matthew and Rashawn Breland, two free agency acquisitions that can really beef up that secondary in a way to where we saw in the AFC Championship game. If the secondary played just a little bit better, they would have beaten New England. And then we would have had a dynamic, high-powered, potentially high-powered Super Bowl matchup against the LA Rams. So I think... (laughs) Well, David, you you have to remember that uh, it was D. Ford who lined up offside. Yeah. I mean, it was questionable. Sometimes you call that, sometimes you don't. Like, I understand kind of layer of the law, but kind of from what I heard, kind of peeling back the layers a little bit, there were a couple referees I heard that wouldn't have blown that whistle in that position. So, it's kind of one of those things that kind of looking back, you never know what could have been. But I think the secondary was really gassed and really uh, the, the three, uh, the long, long drives with third and Third down conversion have kept that defense on the field longer than it needed to be and the offense on the sideline longer than it needed to be. So, Yeah. Because I've got, I've got the, uh, chi- the Chiefs uh, depth chart heart in front of me. And, like, I know you mentioned – I mean, I, I don't see – truthfully, I don't see them as being the best team in the AFC West, especially with Hunt gone. But, I mean, because I don't think – I mean, Damian Williams, I know, had a magical end-of-season run. 
Hun, I don't know if he can replicate that. I mean, the bit. I think their biggest break that they got was Tyreek Hill not being suspended. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be upset with that outside of the market because it kind of gets into a conversation about uh, the NFL's larger domestic abuse policy or non-policy and whether it's good that they continue to do it individual case-by-case basis instead of having kind of overreaching and overrushing kind of going to start with this no matter what and then kind of go from there. And I'm, I'm just I'm within the fan base are happy. Okay, you keep what your major weapons and your big play targets for Patrick Mahomes. But you get kind of the anger from around the rest of the country looking at this situation, especially considering that the reason why Kareem Hunt is no longer on the team, something similar in terms of the evidence that they had and kind of going back and forth with the league and the team themselves. So we we'll see kind of how the season develops, if it will be addressed, if it will come back up, and if it does, to what extent and what degree. Yeah. And my, my one big question for the team is about back to my husband, and I was with that sophomore slump. And your first year in the summer, you throw for 9,000 yards. It seemed like he was making plays with his left hand, right hand. I think he kicked the pass someone at some point. But inevitably, every quarterback in their second year as a starter has some kind of gift. And so I'm wondering for Patrick Mahomes what that gift will look like. Because he's already seen as an unorthodox quarterback just in his play style in general. But now with a year of teams having changed and year of game film, kind of what what changes and adaptations will he make to his game to help him improve and stay above kind of the pack and be in that conversation as kind of one of the two or three young quarterbacks that you want to have moving forward? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not so sure that Mahomes is going to be throwing 50 touchdown passes, so, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see as well. But, I mean, continue on. And so my second team is going to be the L.A. Chargers. For me, the key loss is a potential loss that hasn't happened yet. But if Melvin Gordon doesn't play the season and he actually would really hold, this team is going to take a precipitous decline. And a lot of people have been comparing it to what happened in Pittsburgh last year when Le'Veon Bell held out. I kind of think it would be something like that. Like, you you look at Austin Elliker as kind of performing well with limited doses and appearances when he was backing up when Gordon was injured. But kind of, can he be the three down back? And I mean, granted, that's my one big question. Can Austin Elliker, if Melvin Gordon is out, be have that similar kind of production? But there are games when both Gordon and Elliker, or Eckler, excuse me. Like, both of them had, you know, 15, 20 carries, but under 50 yards. And so you would lose a kind of a dynamic dual threat running back in Melvin Gordon. That's going to make Phil Rivers age a little bit more cause, and cause his offense to really be more of a pass-happy offense. 
and while Philip Rivers enjoys passing the ball, like that's not going to keep him around much longer. I mean, granted, he's already you know, he's already been in the league this long, but if you want to try to prolong Philip Rivers for this one last hurrah playoff run, it's good to have a running back that can keep you young. Yeah, my key games for the Chargers is Hunter Henry, a tight end who has significant injuries. I've seen as the heir apparent to Antonio Gates, but he's coming back from an ACL injury that he suffered last season. If he can be a number one kind of tight end and remain healthy throughout the season, I think that that will be significant in terms of kind of bridging that gap for Bill Rivers if kind of Melvin Gordon doesn't show up for any of the regular season games. But it'll be interesting kind of to monitor knowing that that tight end position for Phil Rivers has been his kind of bread and butter for so long, especially third downs in the red zone. Has Chan Henry assumed that position, or is it going to be time for them to kind of cut their losses in a similar way to what Cincinnati did with Tyler Eisenberg? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, look, I understand that this is kind of based on if uh, Melvin Gordon ends his holdout. I mean, I had, I had the Chargers as the favorite in the West, but who knows what's going to happen? Hopefully, if Gordon ends up playing or not. Not, I mean, because I, I mean, they're the, they've got nice pieces on both sides, but especially on defense. Hence, up front, you got. Uh, very good pass rush combo with Bosa and Melvin Ingram. I mean, I know Denzel Perryman's a bit of a got to avoid injury. You've got probably one of the better safeties in the league in Derwin James as well. I think I think this is the team. I mean, with Gordon, they're the favorite. Without him, who knows? But I mean, let's but let's uh. Take a look honest. at, yeah, but how about taking a look at who you got in third place? It's I know it's going to be either Oakland or Denver, and one of those teams is going to be featured on Hard Knocks this year. Yeah, I'm going with the team that surprisingly doesn't know how to pick a quarterback, and that's the Denver Broncos. Really? Yeah, I think the Denver Broncos kind of maintain the ship a little bit. For me, their key loss and this is probably a good way, is Gary Kubiak. Because that allowed, uh, that's going to allow the offense to play a little bit more fluid, I think, and really utilize. You mean, you mean, you mean, wait a minute, wait, wait, back up. You, I thought, I thought Kubiak was long gone as head coach. It was, uh, Vance Joseph, who's yeah, a, Vance Joseph from Denver was the coach last yeah, year. Yeah, he, and he's, he got, he got fired. Yeah, he got canned. Yeah, well, I mean, both uh, Joseph as far as the head coaching, but then Gary Kubiak in terms of the offensive philosophy, I think is going to be more of the bigger loss because we saw. Who's their coach now? He's from Vic Fangio. Yeah, Fangio. He's a real old school guy that doesn't like music being played at the facility. (laughs) Yeah, I think kind of having that, that change both in terms of Getting someone offensively who can utilize the running back position in a variety of ways, but then also someone who can, similar to what Vangio was in Chicago, where you have this elite playmaker on defense, and Denver you have a couple of them on the defensive front seven, 
but yeah, kind of the shift in philosophy, I think, is going to be huge for the Denver kind of offense and defense moving forward into the season. But for me, I think kind of a key game is, and a lot of people are probably going to disagree, but I think Joe Flacco can actually be competent in this offense. Do I think he'll light up the league and throw for 3,500, 4,000 yards? No. But do I think he'll be used to help make Philip Lindsay a featured back? Yeah. Do I think he'll be significantly better in terms of getting the ball to the wide receivers that they have? Because they rather than Case Keenum or Arman, the other thirty thousand failed quarterbacks John Elway has drafted. You yeah, mean Drew Locke? Upgrade for sure. Yeah, That's Drew... not saying much, yeah. but in this league where they went to a Super Bowl with a Washington Manning, anything can happen, especially with that defense being so good. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the quarterback they drafted. They took, they end up taking Drew Locke and. Look, I'm I'm not that sold on Flacco. I think uh, I think that his best days are behind him. I mean, I, you're you got a good piece of Philip Lindsay, who, he who was went from undrafted to being a star running back. But who who in God's green earth do you have catching the ball? I mean, look, I mean the the only guy who uh, his name I recognize is Deshaun Hamilton. And that's because he played for your Nittany Lions, David. Yeah, I mean they have they have a couple pieces, and granted, Lindsey is. I mean, he can be a pass catching back, but they're probably not going to utilize him in that way. But yeah, in terms of wide receivers, I think can you look at? I'm trying to think off the top of my head, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. Well, Sanders is not even listed on the sure. depth chart. Oh, uh, not no, because he. Here's who, here's who they got on their depth chart at wide receiver. You got Day, Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and River Crockraft, who I have never – the latter of those I never even heard of. Yeah. No, Emmanuel Sanders is still listed on their the roster. So I was yeah. – okay. the uh, other one that went to uh, Houston. I'm blanking on the name. Went, went but, yeah, like – they have pieces there. Granted, Deshaun Hamilton had a breakout somewhat season in terms of being the number two, number three back. You have a couple of tight ends and Jeff Boyerman, who's kind of become this kind of short, short distance pass catcher. You bring in Noah Font, who you know is going to be probably their big play number one tight end. Like, and and they still, and they obviously have Jake Butt to. too, who's been injured. And they have Troy Fumagalli as well. That's an old name, Jake Butt. Yeah. So, I mean, they basically went with uh, tight ends who played in the Big Ten. Right. But, I mean, I mean I, where, but, but David, one, David, one question real quick. I'm looking at their depth chart, and I don't even see Jeff Hireman listed. So, is there something, did something happen that we don't know about, or what's the deal? He maybe. Maybe injured. Well, because they have, I mean, they have guys li- indicated who are on IR or out or questionable or that stuff. But we'll, we'll see. Who knows? But then again, I'm looking at ESPN's depth chart, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, according to the, the team website, he was talk- he had an interview talking about, you know, the pads and stuff. So he's still, oh, okay. so if he got caught and no one knows about it. 
uh, yeah, who know? We'll see what happens. Ends there. I mean, uh, I mean, I, lo- I mean, look. I know Denver will be strong defensively. Obviously, you got up front. You got De- Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Adam Gotzes, Draymond, Draymond Jones, who I believe was somebody they drafted this most recent draft. Uh, plus, you got Bradley Chubb at linebacker and Von Miller. So, def- defensively, yeah, this is good. I mean, here, here's the, here's the thing, David. I I don't right now. I don't see this team doing very well. But given how their defense is constructed, could they, could they, could this be a team that ha- could be like how? Jacksonville was two years ago, or how the Bears were last year. They get carried by defense. Defense ends up scoring a lot of touchdowns. You I think can't trust you, the quarterback or the offense? Yeah. yeah. And do you do you is this is this a team that you think could be like this year's version of the Bears or this year's version of the Jaguars from two years ago? Yeah, I could even kind of go one step further. I think this team could be similar to that Denver Broncos team that went to the Super Bowl. Because they, they have a favorable schedule starting off the season, you know, Monday night at Oakland, so a robbery game. But then, you know, you you play the Bears at home, your home opener, then you go to Green Bay, and then Jacksonville. And so, so, I mean, you have a couple of difficult games, but because their defense is so strong, they can keep them in a lot of those matchups. And then, again, you're just asking Joe Flacco to not screw things up. So I think that the Denver Broncos, I wouldn't be surprised if they better the predictor record that I have, and I wouldn't be surprised if they made the playoffs and won the division just because their defense is that good. Yeah. And also, quick note, they're actually going to be playing the first football game of the of the preseason. They play the Falcons at the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. Yeah, football is slowly, quickly coming around the corner, even though most people kind of watch the Pro or the Hall of Fame game. But it's basically people are there to kind of just see who's going to get inducted, and the game's kind of third fiddle. Yeah. And now we'll uh, transition to the team that's going to be on Hard Knocks this year. And that would be the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> so we yeah, the dumpster fire that is Oakland. <laughs> uh, okay, David. To be fair, they do play in a dumpster fire stadium, and they're going to be moving to Las Vegas. But I don't. But and look, I Gruden having Gruden. Of course, Gruden running the show is what it is. But I think, but I mean, this is a team I think really they got better in the off season. I mean, yeah, they brought Antonio Brown in, which I sorry if I, that sorry if that uh, causes any bad feelings for you. Yeah, so well, that's okay. You know, I'll address it when we get to the AFC North and I'll rant about the Steelers organization. But you know, Oakland won that trade. Yeah. So speaking of Antonio Brown, my key game instant impact 
wide receiver, arguably the clear-cut number one pass-cashing option. I mean, there's not really much more that you can say about Antonio Brown. People are going to talk about his the field antics and kind of the, the diva-ish wide receiver nature of the diva wide receiver monitor. But on the field, he balls out. And so he's going to Oakland. He's going to be the clear-cut number one. He's got a young quarterback to work with. I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Brown leads the league in receiving yards again. Yeah, my for me. Yeah. So, well, here here's what somebody who I'm interested to see does something. I mean, they they took Josh Jacobs out of Alabama at running back as ahead of them. They got Doug Martin, who has got a lot of miles on his tires, and Jalen Richard, who is like more of a quality backup. I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Josh Jacobs take the reins of the number one running back. Yeah, I think when you draft a running back in the first round, you're fully expecting him to eventually take over the reins. And because the running back position has been, I don't want to say spotty, but it's kind of been plug-and-play serviceable running backs, not really having that number one, a solid three-down running back. And I think Josh Jacobs coming out of Alabama, where you know he's going to be a big bruiser physical. He can take over those reins without too much difficulty or transition, namely because he's coming from Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at him defensively, too. They did get Cleveland Farrell in the draft as well. Oh, I mean, you yeah. got... They've, oh. they've got a lot of young pieces and. I think one of the things John Gruden has talked about is expecting a lot from the first and second year players. He wants those young guys to be the core that they build around. And so for me, kind of transitioning to my one big question, like, can you actually trust John Gruden, Mike Mayock with all these big gambles and this rebuild? Because if it doesn't work, you basically tied yourself to John Gruden for the next nine years. You basically tied yourself to this organization, whatever it looks like, in a couple of years is going to be playing in Las Vegas. And so you have to hit, you have to basically be perfect on all of these gambles because one little bit, not only are you crumbling your future, you're basically kind of taking the fan base that's already I'm disgruntled that you're leaving Oakland, taking them to a city where can you really say football is going to be consistently attended relatively in terms of Vegas? We don't know. And it's not like you can just say, oh, John Green, you're fired, because now you have to pay him, you know, however many years, plus $10 million a year. So. Yeah. So if the game works, then people say, oh, John Drew is a genius, John Drew is a genius. But it'll be interesting to see, especially midway through, now that you're tied to uh, Derek Carr as being your quarterback of the future, is he actually going to be good? Because he hasn't, you know, he's coming back from injury, but still. Like, have we seen the best of Derek Carr? Yeah, that that, that is true. So, anyway, we'll... Pick how this division's gonna go. I mean, I think I know. I know. I said that. Uh, look, I think 
I think that here and now, I think that Denver and Oakland will be about the same, probably at six, probably at six and ten. I'm probably that's probably going to come back to bite me in the ass, but I'm going. Both of them at six and ten finished tied for third. As for how that tie gets broken, I couldn't tell you. And then I'll yeah, go. So, I'll go. And then right now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna hold out hope and say that Melvin Gordon ends his holdout, which means the Chiefs will be two. We'll say eleven and five. And the Chargers, I'm gonna put them at twelve and four, winning the AFC West. David, that's all. I have the Raiders dead last at six and ten. I have the Broncos at nine and seven and third. Oh. I have the Chargers finishing at ten and six, and I think Melvin Gordon holds out until about week. Wow, week six. And then I have the Chiefs winning the division at 12 and 4. Mm, so they keep on trucking without Kareem the Dream Hunt. Yeah, I just think too much offensive firepower. Mm. Okay. Well, David, any, uh, we're going to kind of scoot on out here. Any plans for the weekend? Well, the Muggins are here in town, so I think yeah, I, I saw may that. Go see the Toledo. I did see that. They are playing the Syracuse uh, team, and uh, Tim Tebow's on that team, right? Well, I know you. Yes, well, Tim Tebow was actually right in Toledo recently. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, a lot. A lot of people. A lot of people I know went to that game. I, I was. I was actually out on the west side of Michigan with uh, the American Legion team. And you actually um, probably find off Twitter haters, right? Earlier stated in the show. Well, not so much there. I mean, I was kind of telling some people about it who weren't aware. I know that there was. Most of the Legion team knew about it because there, excuse me, there were players that had found out about it firsthand, and then those who got involved on their own. <laughs> no, but it's all right. Well, Frank, what you got going on this weekend? Well, I've got a '90s party to go up to. And a '90s party? Yes. I thought you were done doing all that stuff. Or did you do '80s party? Well, that was a few. That was a couple years ago. I did the '80s party. And you did the '90s party last year, right? No, no, no. They did a '70s party last year, but I couldn't make it. Okay, so where's this '90s party at? It's up in, uh, up in the south, up in uh, Rockwood. Okay, okay. Is this with Kent Goldsmith? Yeah, me. Yeah, this is actually his bro- his brother and sister in law are putting this one on. Nice. A '90. What are you going as? I'm just probably going to end up wearing my uh, T-shirt from the Russian Five. Because that's I the g- 90s thing, I guess, yeah. Because, yeah, because the Russian Five played in the 90s. I, this kind of occurred to me when I was driving home last night because I wasn't sure if I was going to invest money in a costume. A and, costume. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which means, in other words, buy, drop it over 100 bucks on a throwback NBA jersey or right. something of that nature. I said, you know what, I'm going to save my money. 
I almost thought about going as Don Johnson's character from Nash Bridges. Because that's the show he was on in the 90s. <laughs> he was Miami Vice in the 80s, Nash Bridges in the 90s. Uh, man, a lot of Nash Bridges just still wasn't that Miami Vice, though. <laughs> I, I know. And, uh, I know. It's t- it's t- that's a tough act to follow. but uh, Yeah, it is. But I, I hope. With, uh, when are you going to the night? I hope you have a good time. Yeah, it's going to be tonight. Nice. So the 90s party for Frank. And then Dave is going to be watching Washed Up Tim Tebow at a Triple A AAA bas- baseball game. <laughs> yeah, rooting on a you know Mudhu's team or Mudhu's team without any Toledo gear. <laughs> right, because you know a long time here you didn't get any Toledo gear. Anyway, make sure you get some. Make sure you get some pictures of Tebow and see if you get see if you get his autograph. Yeah, great show I mean, today. If he, if he plays and he's off the injured list. I'll definitely send some pictures your way. All right. Well, thanks, David. Great show today, guys. For Frank and David, this has been a presentation of 88.3 WTs. After further review, make sure you check us out on SoundCloud on iTunes for the podcast. We're out of here. Peace. See you next weekend.